HGTV Sports, it's in the cave. I will say they are looking extremely solid. And I do love to see an underdog story, you know, with the young team coming in to get the win. But... So... Warm weather environment, warm weather area. They come up to a place that gets really, really cold. And they just grind to a hole. They're not used to it. Kick it out to Bryant. Pass it over to Cox for three. Got it! Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of HGTV Sports in the Cave. I'm HG. And I'm Caveman. Welcome in, everybody. Got good news so that HG got the win on our team building exercise last week. His team was ahead in votes. So now it's all tied up one to one. One and right one now. on the season right now. And we had a pretty, pretty chill, more chill weekend with football. We had a little Dubai week in between the Super Bowl from the divisional round or the divisional championships. But it was uh, a lot of funny stuff happened too. We had <laughs> Kyle Shanahan was pretty drunk at media night. Oh, they yeah. might be regretting having that uh, Super Bowl in Las Vegas because <laughs> they are out partying I mean, that I last weekend. For for a long time, the league and the city of Las Vegas, they were at odds. And I mean, the NFL wanted nothing to do with Vegas, didn't want players and coaches going there. But you know they they got into the sport. The NFL wanted to partner up with sports betting, and so they had to come around with Vegas. But yeah, they players are definitely gonna there's gonna be some partying done if you're you're in Vegas. <laughs> it was pretty funny, honestly, because he was he was answering the questions pretty coherently still, but you could just like see it, kind of hear it in his voice. He seemed to he was a little bit a little bit drunk. Yeah, his uh, eyelids a little droopy. <laughs> um, it wasn't bad, but it's a very slight slurring of the words. That might not even be the craziest thing that uh, happened at the media day. Somebody asked uh, Brock Purdy about because there's there's this thing going around online that he kind of looks like Lee Harvey Oswald, and so somebody asked <laughs> Brock Purdy what he thought of that. And oh, that was like one of the actual questions at the media day. It wasn't just like a random dude. That's yeah, hilarious. yeah, it was an actual reporter asked him that, and I was just like, <laughs> "What are you? What are you expecting to get out of this man? How are how is Brock supposed to answer that?" Yeah, actually, what's he supposed to say? He uh, did it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he also had Brock. a Pro Bowl. Credit to Brock, though. Yeah, he <laughs> he kept his his composure. And was just like didn't didn't overreact or anything. Was like, I I don't know what you. George Kittle. To to that. George Kittle put on a show as well. He was pretty funny. He was playing rock paper scissors with a fan that was in the crowd from like thirty feet away, thirty yards away, playing rock paper scissors. Um, I didn't know he was a Bears fan. I didn't know he's from Chicago. But people were somebody there begged him not to join, not to ever get traded or go to the Bears ever in his career. <laughs> 
that was one of the questions he got. Is if he would stay there forever and never go to never go to Chicago. Some oh, funny Kittle. stuff there. He's, he he really is America's uh, tight end. That guy. He what a hoot. He's hilarious. Good for the league though. Yeah. Makes tight ends makes tight ends look good. After that whole. A lot of stuff going on with tight ends in the league. Yeah. <laughs> we also had the Pro Bowl. And our question of the day really is, has the Pro Bowl fallen off in recent years compared to what we've seen in the past? Yeah. So we're going to... It's a talk- joke. Yeah. We're going to start talking about this, but we we encourage people to call and text in yeah, what your you- thoughts on the Pro Bowl because I don't know. Personally... Awesome. Personally, I I think it's actually eh. yeah. I, I didn't even I didn't even watch any of it. I watched some highlights or stuff because I was about as much of it as I could. I could actually focus on. Yeah, it wasn't really too special, really. Like the flag football thing was cool, but all the other I feel like the skills challenges. Only the NFC was actually like putting some effort into it. Yeah. They've pretty much straight clean sweep and like won everything. I don't. I don't know. It felt very one-sided. Like only one team was kind of competing for it. Well, I, I saw the previews where Ray Lewis was one of the coaches, and he was, uh, was coming out and blah, 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 you know. Evidently, he doesn't have a child that he can coach their little league team because you could definitely tell that he was personality A that saturday yeah he was the uh, afc's defensive coordinator i do like that they have eli and peyton that was hilarious coach the respective conferences like uh, peyton's just ultra competitive because he's like on the side he's i you can always hear him yelling at the refs during these when i I was watching the highlights which that's kind of funny it's like peyton does have like a kid kids and he does coach their teams and he's still he just wants to be this brother. So that yeah, that's about that's the most fun element of it. But RG three was a pretty good host too. He's yeah. always pretty funny. RG three is funny, but you know it's just hard to want to tune into that for super long. To me, the Pro Bowl is just it's starting to feel more like a like a glorified game show, which with I guess is cool for the players if they enjoy that, and that's cool because it's like a really really nice way to just hang out with the fans and kind of rehab a little bit and compete and have fun before your off season because a lot of these dudes have like a lot of pressure on them so just being able to go out and perform and just have fun instead of always trying to win everything then it kind of clears their head a little bit before going into the off season you don't really know if you're going to be on the same team next year if you're going to be on a team next year so the, the pro bowl the Pro Bowl used to really be fun. Like the it was. the funnest, it was awesome. the funnest thing to watch during the Pro Bowl was like everybody had their team helmets, so it was kind of cool seeing all these you know different players and stuff. And now that they've changed it to flag football, I mean, unless you're a quarterback or a wide receiver, you yeah, know, flag football is uh, not really that fun. Unless uh, and you're and getting the ball. I don't know who a lot of those yeah. players are, especially, you know, the ones that are up front and stuff. Yeah. Well, like flag football, it just completely negates offensive linemen. So it's like they, yeah, you get one. 
you yeah, have one guy to snap it. I mean, you have all these Pro Bowl or offensive linemen. They don't even get to play in the game because it's flag. <laughs> and trade off I just, every down. I feel like in recent years, it's just like they, they be having the 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 weirdest like substitutions for like you know like guys that made the Pro Bowl but are going to the Super Bowl. Like they have like the weirdest subs, like Tyler Huntley, like last year. That was <laughs> that was just strange. I'm like, that's not to say Tyler Huntley didn't play well, but I'm like to put him on the Pro Bowl roster yeah, it's... over some other guys. And like this year, like no disrespect to Gardner Minshew. I I personally love Gardner Minshew. He's one of the the funniest players in the league. And you all you always want to root for that, that guy. You can't tell but me it was just he was a weird substitute for Patrick Mahomes. You can't tell me that the NFL is making money on the new Pro Bowl style compared to the last Pro Bowl style. They're selling more tickets because it was was like felt like it was way longer, like the entire day. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like the NBA All-Star Weekend, which we're going to talk about that later on today. I like that one a lot better because it's an entire weekend. They probably yeah. make more money than the NFL on their All-Star stuff. Well, I feel like Pro Bowl viewership's going down in terms of TV. I was looking at some of the some graphs and stats on that, and apparently oh. this was the lowest viewed Pro Bowl Jeez. since like 2009, something like that. And I don't know the past two years, like the Pro Bowl average viewership's around six million, which I mean still is a lot of people, but for the NFL, that's not a those lot are, of people for the that's, NFL. That's those are. Yeah, small numbers. Well, uh, the, like the you, highest they've had since 2000, it was like 14 million. And that was that peaked like kind of the mid 2010s. There was like several years back to back to back where it was like, you know, 13 and a half, 13, 14 million people watching the Pro Bowl. And I don't know, they just seem to try to get back to that. Do you by chance know the numbers offhand? With that whole NFL debacle with Peacock, you know, everything's streaming to Peacock on that that Saturday or whatever. Do you did you by chance get? Uh, uh-uh. I uh, hadn't seen any uh, numbers. On I that, wonder. Actually. I wonder if that's. I feel like it was pretty high viewership though. You think? Yeah. I, and I think I think it was very strategic of them to put the Chiefs first playoff game like as the first peacock exclusive in the playoffs just with trying to get um you know all the those new wave of fans to to purchase that so i imagine the um the viewership was pretty high okay yeah. uh, and we do have a few clips of some highlights from the pro, pro bowl and also the old the old quarterback throwing challenge where they used to see how far they could throw the ball so go ahead and play that first one. Those three is going to come through with a good throw to win it. That doesn't look too shabby. <laughs> that looks pretty good to me. <laughs> looks like 73, Cordell Stewart. Had a hard time getting that first ball in the grid to make it count so he can let the second one go. This year, he finally gets it in play. Harbaugh worries about this competition, the long-distance throw. <laughs> he gets everything into it. Beautiful ball, yeah. yeah. Jim's excited. That's good for me. Yeah. That's good for me. Uh, doesn't excite anybody else. Hey, he approaches it. He plays like that. Loose. He's looking for at least 74 yards to grab the lead. And that one looks good. Got a lot of spin on it. 
<laughs> and it is long. He may have his 74. 74 yards by Brett Favre. <laughs> well, that was good technique that time by him. He got a got his body into it. Did a good job of playing at the line of scrimmage. And y'all got me. All you need is one yard. So Hard we make up five. So we like got to break the tie, right? Jim, Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh in the league. The Brett Favre out there. In our next clip, just uh, some of the pro best Pro Bowl highlights, I think, from 2000 to 2010. Third and goal. And Wilson throwing and reaching up and making the catch is Vincent Jackson for the touchdown. Oh and on God. first and ten, now you got a flea flicker. And Luck is going to go deep into the end zone, and it will be taken there by Deshaun Jackson of the Philadelphia Eagles for the touchdown. Deshaun Jackson just went up and stole it from him. Team Rice, what a trickery here, which results in Josh Gordon taking Whoa. the handoff and getting upended. You got a teammate on teammate. Ward from Cleveland, Gordon from Cleveland. Already, this is the best Pro Bowl we've seen in years. First down goal from the eight-yard line. Breeze throws it high in the air, and it is taken in by Jimmy Graham for the touchdown. Get that one-on-one -on -one matchup, and you can forget about it. Rivers takes over. Rivers coming off a great season, but he is under pressure. He loses the ball. He's hit by J.J. Watt, and running is Dr. Terry Poe, who will get tackled from behind. These defensive lines have come to wreak havoc today. And he's off and running. Nobody's going to catch him. Usually they catch no stack. No question. Third down and 10. And Smith is going to get wrapped up and sacked. And that's J.J. Watt. That's one of those big waves. Jump up there. Jump up there. There you go. Right it in. <laughs> Beautiful. Foles off his back foot, and it is hauled in in the end zone by Jordan Cameron for a touchdown. Will it go there again? Smith instead dumps it off underneath. DeMarco Murray inside the 10, and Murray will take it to the end zone. So it's 21-20, and how do you go for the win here? Colvin's going to be the lead blocker. Oh, it's the ball. And he gets the ball, and he is in there. has just given Rice's team the lead. Second quarter begins with Team Carter getting the ball. This team, left to throw, what a catch by his teammate, T.Y. T.D. Third and 10 for the Lions quarterback, Stafford. Matthew hit as he throws downfield, and it's pulled in by who else? Odell Beckham Jr. So Stafford used to throw it to guys who make sick catches. Breeze throwing for the tight end. So Olsen gets his second touchdown. Team Carter extends his lead. This is third and four, and Breeze throwing end zone. Hilton had it picked by Grimes. He took it from him. Grimes took it away.
teams. I remember that. That was Jerry Rice drafted a team and Barry Sanders drafted another. I do for I do forget that. That was 2014 and 15 highlights. I, I think that was that was kind of the peak of the Pro Bowl. That honestly. was awesome though. I mean, Seen because Drew they were Brees. they were playing like each team was playing to win a cash prize, but I think it was going to like a charity of the team's choice too. Or maybe it was oh, for the okay. players, but like, yeah, there was a huge, yeah. there was like, like big money at stake. And I mean, you saw like it was competitive. I mean, yeah, Don Terry Poe almost returned to that strip sack back down. I mean, when's the last time you see, you seen a Pro Bowl where the score was like 22 to 21? Like, that's like back and forth game, like going down to the wire. Like, they're actually playing defense in that one, you know? Like, Saw that we, guy we from the that. Browns get flipped over by his teammate Denzel Ward. Right, <laughs> it's it's full speed, full contact. They're man. playing. Like, that's what I, I guess. That's maybe what kind of kind of the NFL is kind of missing out in their their league now is like that full speed that we we, we all kind of miss it. I know everyone knows what I'm talking yeah. about. We all miss the we all miss how it was back in the 2010s. That up to 2020 it was probably the peak of the NFL, in my opinion, like that decade was just amazing yeah, football. It was, it was good. Maybe not if your team didn't do so hot. Uh, the Saints had a few years, even with Drew Brees, where we kind of sucked. So yeah, I'd, I'd say, <laughs> like, you know, 2009 to 2015, and then after that, NFL stopped being good. <laughs> you know, I'd stand by that too. I think that's a pretty valid point, yeah. honestly. Once the Broncos got bad again. It- it was it was bad for the league. It really was. What do we have next this morning? Oh, actually, before we move on though from the Pro Bowl, Jason Kelsey was absolutely hilarious. He's got to do something with like WWE or something because the energy that he brings is like hilarious. He's like he's like Ultimate Warrior in the ring, shaking the ropes around. That's how Jason. That's how hype he gets during this. Like in the Pro Bowl. They're pushing the sled and he's on it. He's like pushing his guys as hard as he can go. Like that was the most energy we saw, and they were just pushing a sled. Dude, he reminds me of Hillbilly Jim. <laughs> if you remember that. Where Hillbilly Jim and then like his attitude, kind of like a deadly boy. He's the nicest dude in the world, yeah. too. Jason Kelsey, he must be protected at all costs. And I'm I don't even like the Eagles. You know, so. and I tell you what, not to like put a dampen on it, um, we we lost an icon this week, um, or this weekend, I should say. Uh, I'm not a country person; I don't like country music, but I will say that uh, Toby Keith passed away at oh, 62 yeah, because that. of cancer. And you know, the the only reason why I bring this up, and I don't mean to cut you guys off or interrupt. The only reason why I bring this up is because Toby Keith, um, he did a lot for veterans, especially uh, coming back from Iraq. I remember, uh, I remember when I was in Iraq, we went to Spiker. It was right after Brock had died. It was kind of like a, a treat for me or whatever. Cause at that time I did like country and I remember Toby Keith coming out and he was singing. And then we got hit with a mortar and then they're like, they're wanting to cancel the concert 
And Toby Keith comes out and he's like, no, no, we, we got this. If you guys can do it, then I can do it. And then he continued the concert. And that Respect was, that, that. yeah, that was the most memorable moment. And I've, I've been to a couple of his concerts, been to his uh, restaurant. Have you ever been to Toby Keith's restaurant? I haven't. I didn't uh, know he had a restaurant. He does. He has a restaurant. There's one in Oklahoma, of course. We used to have one here in Denver, but they closed it down. I'll have to look that up. So, but uh, I just wanted to give uh, a tribute, real, you know, to to Toby Keith for you know everybody that's listening. So, yeah, I didn't mean noble, to interrupt y'all. Noble move there. Rest in peace, Toby Keith. We're sending our thoughts out from MBR since you sent your, your thoughts out. And helping out veterans as well. So shout out to him. Absolutely. Oh, uh, well, I guess we our, our next thing up here on the list, uh, there's going to be an NFL game in Brazil yes. next season. That's going to be cool. Just I'm the excited. fans in London are awesome. And I think there's also going to be a game. I think Carolina plays in uh, Germany. They do, yep. This, se- this upcoming yeah. season, so there's- too. I mean, that NFL is getting bigger and bigger internationally. First, it was just London. Now we've had Germany the past two years. They had Mexico a couple, couple years of, ago. A couple yeah. of years so Mexico, my question so to you is, HG, where do you see this going? Do you see this going as kind of like an elective, kind of like um, hard knocks kind of an elective? Or do you see them creating an NFL team that is housed over – the European, because then if they did that, that then would be it would, awesome. Then actually. it would be considered really world champions. Yeah, I, it would be I don't fair. think we'll see if they were to expand. I don't think you'd have an NFL team in Europe because of the time zone differences. Oh, that yeah. would be difficult. If they were going to go for an international team, I think the most likely place is in Canada. Maybe we could see something in Central or South America. But yeah, I think overseas. a Canadian team is more likely. That's a it's true. much wealthier country. They probably have the GDP to to make something work there. Um, but at the very least, I, I see there being a lot more international games that teams can elect to play in. Um, this this uh, this upcoming game here in Brazil, it's going to be on Friday night, September sixth. The Eagles. I've already been listed as the home team. Uh, it's in Sao Paulo, Brazil, at uh, Corinthians Arena. And Brazil just barely beat out Spain to have a an international game this year. But they're saying that, excuse me, we could have a game in Madrid. That's sick. Excuse me, again, as early as 2025. So I can see it. I see, yeah, like... We're getting a lot more, you know, some more European countries picking up games. I mean, how long until we have a game in France, maybe, or Ireland? That's what I hope they do. The overseas fans show so much support, like traveling cross country to go to other other countries to watch like soccer or anything, really. Like the fans in London during like the first few games were awesome, like the chance. It just reminds me of like watching WWE. Well, and you remember the the games in Germany, um, Frankfurt. They, those crowds were getting hyped. They had all sorts of chants were going. 
Uh, I remember the the entire stadium that first game between the Seahawks and Buccaneers, the whole uh, Sweet Carolina, like the entire stadium. Yeah, in the middle of a drive too, on, which is perfect for football. With it. So I feel like people don't ever. I mean, those th- these crowds in Brazil, I think, are going to be just as exciting, be just as hyped. Uh, I got the list of all the potential opponents the foul um or i mean the eagles could play and so i want to hear from uk man and from our viewers who they'd like to see in that game in brazil but i'll go ahead and list them all off for us real quick so these are all the home games that the or all the opponents eagles have at home next season so obviously cowboys commanders giants they got division rivals they got to play all three of them at home once and on the road, but then they also have the Falcons, the Panthers, the Packers, the Browns, Jaguars, and Steelers. The Panthers, they like we said, they do play in Germany, so might be less likely to see them. And then the Jags have their usual London game, so I'm not sure if they do send the Jags to two different international games. But I mean, the NFL kind of hates the Jaguars and just like. I mean, yeah. I think they made them play two London games last year. They, I think so, actually. But I don't. The the Jags, Jacksonville is basically an honorary team of London too. So it's. I think probably the best game out of the ones we we listed, probably Dallas, just because you got the rivalry. Those teams will probably have a pretty good game. High chance of it being a. A good game oh, with yeah, those two. Past few years, especially, it's always been a good game when those two teams got together. Atlanta probably be a good mix in there because the new coach with Raheem Morris and that team is just super young and like pretty star-studded roster. But I think that would be a pretty good game. I think the Packers. That's yeah, that's probably the one I want to see the most. Jordan Love, another young team. Good, there yeah, that is gonna make. Make huge moves. I think the the NFC North next season is going to be a one conference, one division to watch out in that conference. They they've got some pretty decent teams, and Justin Fields starting to find himself out there. So yeah, that might be pretty scary. And then you know, follow up question for you, Caveman, and for our viewers: Where would you guys like to see another international game? From the NFL, what? gotta be Ireland, hands Ireland? down. Ireland, Ireland, or even Australia. Australia, Australia or Ireland. They've they're just the funniest people in the entire world. And that is gonna make for the greatest crowd, like in football. I think that will be the best crowd in in NFL history if they if they do that. Have you guys ever been to Australia? I have. I have not. It's on the list, though. You know, I've never you... actually left the Dude, country. Like, out of all the countries I've ever visited, I love Australia. I was going the wrong way in a parking lot, and instead of them flipping off, they're like, "Hey, excuse me," and like you know, it's very nice, like knocking on, "Hey, you're going the wrong way." You know, well, dude, they totally, yeah, they're they're hilarious. That sounds that sounds amazing, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, those are those are up there for me as well. Um, this one, a bit of a dark horse. I don't think a lot of people would expect, but I think you know I think it'd be really cool. Japan. That would be simply awesome. because like just how technologically advanced they are. Like I just could imagine 
all the cool things Japan can do. Honestly, with, uh, yeah. And, and like, it's so- honestly, it's a great destination for football fans. They're like for an island nation, man, there's just so much that would to be do really in Japan. Cool. There's so much beauty. And it's, I mean, whether you like being in the city or out in the country, it's, it's got a great mix of both. And I mean, they, they would, they've got to have some super cool arenas. I feel like that could host a football game that have just some, there's some real some cool high tech jumbotrons or whatever. I mean, baseball's already huge out there. I think they could, they could pick up football as well too. Oh yeah. And there's also, there's a lot of different leagues, at least to like play professionally in other countries. I don't know if Japan has football, but I know there's, there's a lot of other countries at least that have a, a semi-pro level of American football. So it's spreading, spreading. I think they need to have more and more games overseas as possible, which brings it up. I saw a tweet. I forget if it was even a NFL player or just like somebody, you know, just ranting on Twitter, but they were, they were saying that the stadium is like 15 minutes from their house in Philly. And they have to fly like 10, 11 hours to Brazil just to play a game. But it's like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like you travel in the United States, you probably traveled overseas. If it's a player like to go on vacations and stuff, like why now? Especially when we have the world cup coming to New Jersey, you have no, you really have no room to talk because if they're coming all the way over here from Europe whatever country to from play all over the in world, New Jersey. Really. Yeah. It's the World Cup. I mean it's it's international. You're like I don't I don't know. That was just a funny funny tweet that I saw is like you're really complaining about giving going a plane ride to make extra money. Well, it's gonna give the NFL money. You know which it's... gives all the teams more money honestly to pay more people money. And it's I mean, funny and it's funny that you bring that up because he did a TikTok yesterday, I guess JJ Watt staying in a hotel and when he was working out apparently they close at seven and he's like what what the hell what why are you guys closing made a big stink about it you know and and i replied to him i'm like you know this is unusual for you because of the hotels that you stay at you know there's just certain hotels like motel six and um super eight like, there's a reason why they close early. It's because they're in, like, bad crime. Like, yeah, it's not like, right. it's not the four well, seasons. I mean, so. Right. I don't think J.J. Watt was at, like, a shady hotel. No, I don't think so either. He still makes pretty yeah. good money as, like, He's an still... analyst and everything. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming because I've been to, well, I haven't, I haven't been to the stadium Vegas, but there might be, like, um, it might be in a bad end of Vegas where they're staying. Maybe that, that might be true. Yeah, I don't know. You know, um, it. I just that's true. Just wanted just to throw be, that out there. It may just be how the Vegas is. Yeah, you never know, really. But you know, you mentioned uh, the NFL bringing the game, or not the NFL, the the World Cup coming to New Jersey. And I think before we get into that, though, because we'll, there's a lot to talk about there, that reminds me 
that the 49ers, uh, they're upcoming, you know, obviously getting ready for the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. They're the away team this year, so they have to use a college uh, team's practice facility. So they're at the University of Las- Northern Las Vegas practicing there. They're having a lot of complaints with the the artificial field or the practice field that they have there. Um, only before. thing I got to say about that is uh, I feel bad for the UNLV players. If that's the condition of their practice facility, it might just be because it's the off season, but if the chiefs are at the Raiders facility and the Raiders didn't make the playoffs, why is their practice facility in better condition than UNLV? All right, and I, <laughs> I'm just going to, I was looking into this a little bit and I'm just going to read what I found here. So the, the, the practice field for UNLV, it wasn't, I mean, it, it was like sodded and put down just a week before the 49ers got there. And Jeez. that is not normal. Normally the NFL has this done in December. And so it can go through, you know, multiple weeks of testing and making sure that that, that surface is good for I didn't know they prepped multiple months like that. Yeah. Well they didn't this year, which yeah. is very That's strange. Why it sucks. <laughs> and then so experts say for an NFL there's a hardness score for NFL playing surfaces. Now this is normally on average like 78 for an NFL practice or playing surface, but it's usually it, it's no lower than 70. That's that's the standard according to Adam Schefter and some of the experts he's talked to. But he was reporting that experts were saying that some experts were saying that the uh, hardness score of this field was 50. Oh my goodness. Yet Goodell says they've had 23 experts say it's a perfectly playable surface and that they can work on it. That might just be a little softer than they're not used to, but it's still fine. Well, and at least it's playable, but I it just brings it just brings back those skeptics saying that everything is scripted in the league. It's or at like, least somewhat right. I mean well what makes it even worse is it's again beneficial to the Chiefs where oh the team they're playing against has a bad pra- practice surface. Mm-hmm. And I, remember last year's Super Bowl? I mean that that field was a disaster. I mean that, there were teams on players on both teams complaining about how the the field was on that. I mean, I remember the Eagles, they had to change cleats like two, three times. Like nobody could keep their footing on there. It was, it just leads to really injuries, bad. injuries in the biggest game of the year for these two teams. Like nobody can really afford to get hurt. Even if it's just for a day, like you don't want to miss a single, single second of your prep time in this, in these moments. So I understand why they're, why they're upset about it. And like I was saying, though, I feel bad for the UNLV players if if the field is normally like that and it's just hard to practice on. Like, that's annoying. It's so hard to actually actually learn, grow as a team in practice with that. Like, you can't even, can't even get it done. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, for the Niners, obviously, they have extremely talented players, so. And they've been doing that at a high level all year. So they can, you know, that's, they'll just have to overcome and get ready for this. So it'll be interesting to see if that does affect them at all, though, in the in the Super Bowl. 
But speaking of terrible playing surfaces, that does bring us back to the World Cup. MetLife. Coming to New Jersey at what arguably, I mean, that one of the most dangerous stadium turfs to play on in the NFL. And we've got some clips to prove it. We have two injuries. One was pretty later in the season, Jalen Phillips from Miami Dolphins. I think my shit popped. What? My Achilles. I think my Achilles popped, bro. No, 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 no. You alright? You alright? You alright? You good, baby? You know you didn't breathe. You good? You alright? You good? Nah, bro, it's gone. It's popped, bro. No, it's not. Shut my up. Achilles, bro. Shut up. Man. Felt like someone like fucking shot me in my fucking Achilles, bro. I thought someone like stepped on me. No fucking way, bro. There's no fucking way. Can you please stop grabbing on it? Oh my god, it hurts, bro. My shit pop, Mike. So a lot of concern about this. Had a heck of a year. This is the guy that's been challenged throughout his career. Oh, man. What the fuck, bro? Hey, man. Hey, hey. Hey. Hey, you're okay? Hey, buddy. You're okay? You're okay, buddy. Organizing, having a great year. Kurt talked about situation in college and retiring from football and coming back and off on the cart. Why, bro? Fuck, dude. Damn, bro. I was hooping, too. Please don't be an Achilles. Good God. Guys, after seeing Dolphins linebacker Jalen Phillips carted off the field, we are told it is his Achilles, and of course he is out for the game. Oh, and a lot longer. That's a big hit. You obviously yeah. wish him well. And for the Dolphins' defense, it's going to be a big loss down the stretch of this season. Bro, I feel so bad for Jalen, bro. Freaking career year, bro. Bro, I feel so bad. I like it literally hurts my heart. He having the best year of his life. Like done everything right. Like. It's treacherous. It's had 15 season-ending Achilles injuries since 2020, and two teams play on that field as their home stadium. Yeah. And actually, so it's crazy. I put together a list of some of those notable injuries and just what they are. And on top of that, that you're saying the 15 season ending injuries, in that same time frame, there's been at least 35 or more. I couldn't find an exact number, but it's like 35 plus lower body injuries at that stadium as well. And before I go on to that list, just that, that video, great reminder of they, they you know, we it, these players are obviously world-class athletes and we see them do incredibly th incredible things but you do sometimes it's hard to forget that they're they're human because they they do such incredible things on the field but yeah you can see the real human side of that that one is a very emotional one it's tough but on the watch good reminder that good reminder so, good point you bring up there 
the some big notable season-ending injuries since 2020: Nick Bosa and ACL, Solomon Thomas, ACL, Jimmy G, ankle sprain, Raheem Mostert, MCL, Sterling Shepard, Achilles, and ACL, Wandell Robinson, ACL, Blake Martinez, Achilles, Jabril Peppers, ACL, Kyle Fuller, ACL, Aaron Rodgers, and Jalen Phillips, ACL, or Achilles rather. Al Woods, Achilles. It's it's bad. Uh, it's a dangerous, dangerous turf. I mean, there numerous players. I mean, every time an injury occurs at MetLife Stadium, it feels like there's a wave of current and former players that rush in and have gripes with the stadium. A lot of what people say is that the turf just doesn't give way. It's Miss. it's way too hard. It, it, they say it like clumps together. It doesn't it doesn't break up. And you just you can't get any leeway when you're making cuts and and moving at that type of speed. And it's yeah, it's bad for those players. And it's not just lower body injuries. We have another clip of C.J. Stroud in the middle of this season. He did go out with a concussion at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, that one looped on us. Sorry, everybody. But that but, literally could have ended his season right there, and he had one of the best rookie years out yeah. of a quarterback in a very long time. And like, luckily it didn't, but that, it, it goes back to that turf being way too hard where, you, like, yeah, that forceful impact to the head. I mean, that was a pretty bad-looking concussion, too. You know, you could tell he was, he was really woozy. I mean, thankfully, he was able to kind of walk off without much assistance. So yeah. is it cursed? I it honestly like hope it. not because two teams play there. So that's a lot of that's a lot of NFL players that actually have to go to the stadium every year. I mean it, it's one of those stadiums where it's like, I mean, it needs either a serious remodel or just get rid of that torn down. I, I mean, think AstroTurf is the problem. AstroTurf is really bad, and then that it's also one of just the ugliest looking stadiums in the NFL. It looks like a giant tuna can. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the World Cup is going to be. The potential for injury on the th- on the field, third string bench warmers get playing time. Hey, you know that's that's probably the only good thing. Well, get a, some people in that good deserve a chance. Last half full look at it, but it's very true. You know, it's just you hate to see it, it happen to players like that. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking, it, especially Jalen Phillips. Yeah, well, we, I mean, think Rogers. He he didn't even survive. Yeah, it was almost like series. his injury. Like he got injured, and it sucks that he was out for the entire season. But it was almost like it was almost like comedy, like the movie 
the guy comes out like he's going to save the day and then he just gets railed by a bus. <laughs> he walks out like celebrating. They just get like smacked by something. No, it's like he walked out carrying the flag. Two plays later, he's out for the season. You know, that makes me think of that. This, this is a bit of a deep cut for, for those of us that grew up in the, you know, the, the early two, 2000s um, the Spy Kid movies. I forget which one, <laughs> yeah. but it's the scene with the guy, right? And they make a whole big deal of it where he's like, the main character's like, I'm the guy. And then this dude's like, he's like, no, you're not. I am. It's a whole inspirational epic thing. He like walks out like everyone's like in awe, like, oh my God, it's the guy who's going to come and save us. He like walks into this the room that everybody's scared to go into and gets like vaporized. Yeah, instantly. He takes one step in there. That's the one where the, it's like, that one is Spy Kids Game Over or something like that. I don't, I, so. I shouldn't remember yeah. that right now, but I don't know why. Well, trip down memory lane for you. <laughs> um, what are people's thoughts on the World Cup being in New Jersey? I mean, it, I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's in Rutherford, it's close to New York, so it's kind of like New York, New Jersey, but man, that is going to be. He's really excited. It's gonna, it's be, gonna a, be so hectic. It's gonna be a cultural East, shock for a lot of Europeans and just uh, like a lot of people, I think. Because I my uncle lives in Rutherford, New Jersey. I've been there many times. The East Coast is just so much different. It is a very like that is a Rutherford and New York, like those two areas right there. That is a very densely populated area already. Yeah. And that's gonna be you insane, should you're dude. you're gonna see an influx, I mean, of millions of people, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions. There's so many people fans, players, media from all across the world. Oh, it's, I mean, it is going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a no fly zone. You, you, you could fly home and. Oh, and, no, uh, I, dude, I am. Love you, Uncle Ron, but I am not visiting you during the World Cup. I'm sorry. Yeah, unless I, we're just doing nothing but chilling at your house. Yeah, unless I would you're not want to go to New York. Because look, I like it, it's already like I, it's already bad enough driving out there. Traffic's usually pretty hectic. Um, I I ninety five is always real backed up, and the the Jersey Turnpike it's. How many times can you say that the World Cup, you know, kind of like Super Bowl, how many times can you say that it's it's by, like, arm length, you know, considering you have family that live there? That's what's awesome about you it. You know? I'm kind of glad that we're going to get that many new people here. Yep. It just, like, get people. It'll really bring people together. It's going to use sports to kind of make the world seem a little bit smaller than it is, which is going to be really nice. I think that's kind of what we need right now as people. So good on that. Hopefully nobody has any crazy, scary injuries at MetLife. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, cause soccer players, they don't play on artificial turf. So I wonder if they're going to just tear that, that field out and they're going to put down the grass field instead. They should, they should just keep it grass. It should be like the, the Raiders old stadium when they used to play in the same stadium as the Oakland A's. And so it's half of football, half football, half baseball. <laughs> cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but if memory serves correctly, like the finals of the world cup that ran into the beginning of the NFL season back in 2022. Right. I think so. Yeah. Cause yeah, I, 
that that was that was still going on during like the first few like at least week one or two so that season will be interesting to see. i mean i guess maybe they just have to make the jets and the giants start out with a little bit of a road stand before they they get going at home and uh we have looks like one thing we've got before our team building exercise this week we wanted to go through last week we didn't have the time we wanted to rank through the most recent coaching hires now i just kind of wrote down each one i gave them a letter grade ranking and i kind of gave a reasoning why so this goes in order from the first to the most recent uh hire so we've got new england hiring jared mayo so is this a segment now or you're getting to we're getting to it. We're going to go we, through our coaching yeah, new hires real that. quick. So I think Jared Mayo, I'm going to put that anywhere from B plus to A minus range. I think it's a good chance for a fresh start with them and, you know, possible chance for Texans 2.0. I think what? bringing in a former player is really good for these kind of teams that really need a rebuild. I mean, he's been with the Patriots as a player and a coach for a while. He's their linebackers coach. I think he's really important. He'll keep their, that identity on defense that New England has had for a really long time. And we're seeing, like, guys that were former players, we're starting to see a new wave of them being head coaches. And they, like, because players really respect a guy that's been in their position, I think, where is what we, and they've had, we're seeing. So I they've like had that. a lot of success recently as well. Some of the best coaches are former players. Yeah. They can, the guy that just won the Natty and going to the Chargers. I will get to his ranking later on. But the next hire we had, uh, Antonio Pierce was the interim head coach in Las Vegas. I give that one an A+. Honestly, that's one of the best hires this offseason. Oh, fantastic. fantastic. This was completely turned turned the team around. This guy was a former New York Giant as well. He was on the Super Bowl winning team with Eli Manning when they bested the evil Patriots. So shout out to them back in that day. And he was another guy where it's just that defense that they came up to life for him. Second and, ranked EPA. Oh yeah. After he was interim head coach, which is one of literally. Uh, and I mean, the Raiders, the w- they were dead and lifeless. They, they looked absolutely defeated. Like the season was a wash. I mean, he al- almost turned it around. They had, a very slim chance there towards the end to make the playoffs, but they didn't get it. But that's a team. Uh, I mean, I'm, I was hoping they'd mess this up as a certified Raider, Haley being a Broncos fan, but they they did a very they did an excellent job bringing him back, and that they're going to be a good team next year, I believe. Smart hire. I'm excited really to see who Oakland takes with that 13th pick this season. Uh, the next one we have though. The Titans hiring Brian Callahan. I give this one a C minus to be nice. I honestly wanted to give it an F. I don't understand why you are firing Mike Vrabel in the first place. It's really annoying. I mean, he I honestly for the Titans, why not Bill Belichick? That if if no other team went to hire him, why why not Bill Belichick? You got rid of Mike Vrabel for no reason. I feel like they could have done something better than with Brian Callahan. Yeah. I mean, Callahan, he did do, I guess he did a good, some good things there in uh, Cincinnati 
being their OC. Obviously, the Bengals have a good offense, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, is he is he ready to is he rebuild? really that great of a coach, or is he just benefiting from you know a team that has Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, like? Did the, the team did the Bengals drop off offensively after Burrow got hurt? Not really. So, yeah. I mean, it, maybe it's a good hire, but it's just like I don't think I don't think it was fair to move on from Vrabel. I mean, that guy had a lot of years of success coaching for you, but you just kept giving away his best players. Yeah, it's like that's not his fault that you guys traded away uh, AJ Brown and Kevin. We Byard. could could literally. Yeah, we could talk about that for a whole two hours. Next hire, though, Jim Harbaugh at the Chargers. I think this one's probably an A-plus just because of his momentum right now. $125 million for 10 years compared to $30 million for five years with uh, Michigan. Dang. That is, Dude, he's getting a huge pay raise, which how much of that is guaranteed, too. I mean, if I'm Harbaugh, oh, I'm throwing and then getting fired, then I get to take a nine-year paid vacation. No, seriously <laughs> though, know. imagine they just go zero and seventeen. <laughs> no, I I do like this. I mean, I think that was the, be- the this was one of the best teams for Harbaugh to go to coming out of the college level. It's a team, tons of talented players on the roster already. They desperately needed a coach as well. And yeah, I'm. Michigan had a top-rated defense with Harbaugh there, and that's where the Chargers really need help is on the defensive side of the ball. As much as Brandon Staley wanted to call the defensive play calling, it was just not. It wasn't working out. It's not working. They, they had a really two. underperforming season. Chargers yeah. are going to win the Super Bowl next year. I, Watch. I don't, well, I mean, they might still charge you. They do have a ch- history of choking, but I don't <laughs> really think that this point puts them to you know, be a good team to, to go go to the playoffs again. Where they were, you know, just two seasons ago. Excited like this, to see what happens. This that was probably the best fit team for Harbaugh. And Seriously, he made the right decision going there. Former quarterback of them as well was also in Baltimore. Let's see, we got the Carolina Panthers next up, hiring Dave Canales. I'm gonna say that one's like C plus B range. I mean, because you can't really get any worse from where you are. You're literally, like, literally the worst offense in the league. I mean, he he's had success with offenses in the past, so I think him getting an offensive-minded coach like him will help. But hello, Eric. Eric, you? they are the Chargers. Yeah, exactly. They'll find a way to screw it up. Eric, gets it. Eric <laughs> knows, knows what we're talking about. He knows what we're talking about. That's that's hilarious. Um, back to the Panthers. All right, um, Canals. I'll say I do like. I do like this. They need to get Bryce Young some weapons, all right, and and some protection. I mean, there, there's a lot of work that the Panthers need to do, but Young, he struggled this year. But look at what Canelas did with Mayfield, you know, the offense that they made for him. And, I mean, the season Mayfield had, it kind of revitalized his career. So, yeah, I think it's a. I think that's a good fit for him in Carolina. Can, Let's see if he can rebuild. Can they get Bryce Young going? Because he he struggled mightily. Again, protection for for Young is going to be the biggest thing. He was the most sacked quarterback in the league. I mean, that's that's tough for any 
for any type of QB, no matter how long you've been in the league, but for a rookie, especially without like a real number one option, it was, it was brutal. So that's, yeah, it's, he, he's got, he's got an uphill, uphill climb, but I, I think he was a, he was a decent, he was a good, good hire for the, the Panthers. Next one saying in the NFC South, Raheem Morris in Atlanta, that one, I'm going to give it an A plus as well. He just seems really confident and he wants to actually use the pieces correctly. Unlike Arthur Smith, you got B. John Robinson. I forget their young tight end prospect that they just got, but he's the second string under Kyle Pitts. They're both pretty solid. Drake Young, Drake London is solid. I um, worry a little bit for what they're going to do with uh, Desmond Ritter or if they're going to just move ahead and try to draft a quarterback. In this upcoming draft because we've got a huge class of them but i mean there's there's some strengths in ritter's game as well i like this move a lot for the falcons as well you have so much raw talent on the offensive side of the ball that as long as you can figure out your play caller situation and figure out a way to utilize I mean, just don't do what Arthur Smith did and avoid using Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and B. John Robinson. If you can utilize those guys, you'll be all right offensively. What the Falcons needed help was on the defensive side of the ball. You're bringing in the defensive-minded coach and Raheem Morris. I mean, the Rams have had a really, like a top 10 that rated the defense the whole time he's been there, I believe. And it's, I mean, they were especially really good last year. This real, I think this is going to really help sure up your weakness, your weaker side of the ball is the Falcons. And again, guy, ton of confidence, former player, I believe as well. Um, First head coaching job after being one of the most respected coordinators in the league for almost his entire career. Yeah. Like there's only good words about Raheem Morris, like before and after getting this job. So I, as a Saints fan, I'm a little scared because sometimes our defense is uh, allergic to tackles, yep. and Bijan Robinson's pretty fast. And we got, don't need another beast quake. We don't. Well, you know what I was going to say you, is I don't think it's so much the bad tackles. I think that NFL players they're not worried about a, the tackle as much as they are, you know, hitting that ball out because I I see that a lot. The Saints do go for the ball pretty aggressively. Yeah. That's why I'm glad we have Demario Davis. He all, actually hits all people. teams that have bad tackling. We should look at them because chances are they have a higher turnover rate because of that. And I actually wanted to get into that later and uh, more basketball sense. But, you know, some teams just play more conservatively and some are more aggressive. And like since sports, all sports, in my opinion, is similar to like a chess game. You, you know, sometimes it works against some teams, other teams more prepared. They know your moves, more scouted. So it's really, it's really, there's so many gears on a football team that like, I don't know, one coaching hire and us praising them. I think Raheem Morris is a good hire and I think there's going to be huge improvements, but there's more, more gears than just the head coach and the quarterback, which some people seem to pick on those two the most when it comes to winning games i feel like yeah well uh, so we're moving along in new coaching hires we got two more to cover Mike. uh command uh 
the commanders hired Dan Quinn, Cowboys defensive coordinator. What would you grade that, Cedric? That one, honestly, my honest opinion, is like a C to a D range. He ha- he led two great offenses with Dallas, and he was the defensive coordinator in Seattle for quite some time during the uh, Legion of Boom era and all that. So he's led he's led two amazing defenses as his time as a coordinator. But this guy was the head coach of the Falcons during the twenty-eight to three um year and he was also the defensive coordinator for the cowboys this season after their whole defensive downfall against the packers in the playoffs so i feel like you got you had ron rivera before is this a little better yes but is it that much better not really in my opinion i don't i'm not too thrilled about this one I don't know. The commanders, that's a team that needs a lot of work. And we saw like Dan Quinn, he had a team that was pretty loaded with talent. He had Matt Ryan, you know, in the prime of his career with Julio Jones in the prime of his career, did take him to a Super Bowl, but then it was a sharp fall off after that. Extremely. And then he spent his whole time in Dallas coaching a very dominant defense. I'll give him that, but it was a defense loaded with talent all across the board. Not and that's not to say that the commanders don't have some talented players, but I feel like it's just the talent level compared to the Cowboys to the Commanders is, is dipped. Yeah, they lost two of their best significantly players this season in trades. So and it's we'll see. It's it's like maybe if the commanders are willing to be patient with them on a rebuild, but I don't they're one of those teams that just seems like they want results now. So I, I I don't know how long he might actually he'll be able to last there. And in Seattle, a final coaching hire before we do team building exercise. Mike McDonald in Seattle. This one honestly kind of a A to B. He's a he's a pretty defensive minded coach, which is good good for that uh good for that Seattle team. It was kind of the point I wanted to bring up in the aggressive play style of some defenses. They actually come out there and they hit you. It's not like it's not like a more conservative game. Like they're ready to make you make mistakes instead of a defense waiting for the offense to make mistakes. I feel like some teams' defenses they want to just be the mistake and make like they're there to mess you up, and that's what they're gonna do. Uh, I think that's gonna be pretty good for them. I mean, primarily intense and strong defense, defensive-minded coach. But that team kind of needs some work on the offense, honestly. I feel like their receiving core is good. They have a very, very good running back. But do they stick with Geno Smith? That's going to be interesting to see. It's like Drew Locke, he's going to be a free agent. We saw him play pretty well against Eagles in prime time. Very, Seahawks are in a very interesting spot. I like this hire for them because they have a – a really young, talented defense. McDonald's Ravens defense was incredibly SS, dominant this year. SS Star 22 from TikTok says Cowboys Chargers Super Bowl. That interesting. Interesting there. That would actually be a pretty right interesting game. Two two that we haven't seen in there in a while. I don't think the Chargers have ever gone, have they? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, they they've gotten, haven't. They've gotten close a few times, but I don't think they've ever been able to make it. 
Dang, man. What I think is so funny is that the Dallas Cowboys are the only football team that they could have a horrible season, and then that next year, everybody thinks that they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, There's the joke that they got the, the most delusional fan base in the league. I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that. I think, you know, I think every fan base is delusional where, you know, the season starts, and even if it's just for – a few days we do genuinely believe oh yeah, our team everybody had yeah we, we were delusional until if like you're well, real, week four <laughs> if you're a real nfl fan like you always think your team's gonna go to the super bowl everyone until, starts up here and there's just levels throughout the season yeah. you're up and down and that's how i that's how i knew i really loved football like when i was young i would get like that so that's what i was like yeah it's my team right here it's it can be a brutal sport because there's a lot of there's a lot of lows and there's a lot of highs, but it, it's just part of the thrill of the game. Yeah. Sometimes there's way more lows than there is highs. Lightning and you're gonna <laughs> With that though, we're going to head into our first segment of the day. Team building exercise. Got to get our wheel pulled up. But for those of you that are new, don't know how this works. We're going to spin a random team wheel here to put together a little bit of an NFL roster. What we do, you get to pick two wide receivers. You get to pick a quarterback, a running back, a tight end. You can pick the team's entire offensive line and an entire defense. So me and Kayvan, we put together a team, and then we go to go head-to-head against each other, and then we let you, the fans, vote. Tell us who do you think is going to – who's going to win, right? And we've been keeping track on the season. So we've done it a couple times. Uh, the votes we've gotten so far. Um, Am I playing it? Or? Yeah, yeah, okay. Go ahead, roll it. All right. But yes, as we were saying, we've been doing this uh, since week one. So far, after we've uh, tallied all our votes together, it is one to one. Last week, HG took the win, and I took the win in uh, week three. And we have all, we've also done basketball. Just got a quick starting five on a team wheel. Yeah, let's see who we get this week. Last week, when I was watching it back, your receiving core was absolutely insane. Was stacked. I got AJ a really Brown, good Tyree Kill, and you had a uh, uh, Conklin. I think no, I uh, had Conklin. I had, had Dalton Schultz. Yeah, you had Dalton Schultz. See, my uh, my my defense was very sketchy because I I had the I went with the Commanders, but I think I had just t- t- such good skill players that it was you know you're like you could trust that team to put up points if they needed to because it's Herbert at quarterback and then they, we had Jonathan Taylor running the ball. Oh yeah, like um, and I had the 49ers defense, so that run game would have been super explosive against us. Well, I had the, the Bengals O line, which is they're all right. They'll get the job done. But all right. I believe see. I went first last week, so I'll let you kick I'll let you go ahead and start okay. this week. But go ahead and give us our first spin each train. Okay. Who we got there? Cardinals. The Cardinals. Ooh. Hmm. 
I'm going to take Kyler Murray as your quarterback. Who do I get for my first spin? With the uh, Falcons? Yes, so Atlanta Falcons. Falcons. I'm going to take Bijan Robinson. That is a solid pick. Got the Titans now. Okay. Take. I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins. Who did I get there? I got the Jets. Give me their defense. Was the, uh, the number one, one defense in the league last year. The Packers. Okay, I could have had Jordan Love. I'm going to go. I'll go ahead and take uh, Romeo Dobbs. Okay, I like that. That's interesting. I don't know. You guys like that music? No, thank you for turning that Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the uh, elevator music going. <laughs> oh, okay. I got the Rams. Yo, give me Puka. I, I just, That's I a love very solid pick. He got the uh, catch of the year. Did you see that on the Pro Bowl? He was on a jet ski and caught a football and like dove in the ocean. It was oh, pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, I just love that guy. All time name too. Okay, there we go. So a little bit better background music for our wheel. They call it H. Much better. All right. They need to take some notes, Ward Wall. We'll give our next spin for Caveman. The number four for me. It's looking pretty good so far, though. I got. Trying to find it. Hold on. Oh. I got a lot, of, a lot of rookies so far. Bijan, Puka. Uh, I feel like if we were starting a franchise with this, I'd love my, my upside too. There's our tab there. Not too many tabs uh, open. Oakland the Raiders. Give me that defense. They went up. They improved so much. Give me that defense. My next spin. QB. The Bengals. Yeah, Bengals. Cincy. Ooh. I could take Joe Burrow. I'm gonna take. Yeah. I'm gonna take Joe Burrow. Okay, that's a solid pick right there. We're just we're gonna, you know, injuries from last season; those are gone too. We're all these guys were taken; they'd be fully healthy. Vikings. Vikings. Okay. I'll take T.J. Hawkinson as my tight end. That's like too bad you already took the receivers. That would be a no-brainer otherwise. We got here. Ooh, the Chargers. Chargers. You know what? Give me Keenan Allen. Final what? two spins. Later as he likes to go by. Cincy again. Okay. I'll take Joe Mixon. I'm going to pray that I get a good line here on my last one. Oh, line tight end. Oh, God. I'll take Logan Thomas because I do not want their offensive line. I, yeah, I wouldn't either. 
Just don't give me Carolina or New England like I had. Baltimore. I will take that O-line. That's the best run offense. Let's All go. Right. Final spin for me. Let's hope I can get a good offensive line. I feel like I shouldn't save that for last, and then every week I do. Jacksonville. All right. That's not terrible. Not a terrible O-line. They're not as good as the Ravens, but I got some, I got some weapons there for Joe Burr. I've got little little Kyler Murray out there at quarterback. You might not be able to see him over the Ravens O-line. And I've also got Joe Mixon at running back. Kyler Murray's going to be throwing it to Romeo Dobbs, D-Hop, and TJ Hawkinson at tight end. And I've also got the Raiders defense. And then my team, we have Joe Burrow, man in the helm, uh, rookie sensation, B. John Robinson, and Puka Nakua as wide receiver. One, Keenan Allen at the two spot. Logan Thomas at tight end. We've got the Jaguars offensive line and the Jets defense. Star 22 off TikTok says the caveman's got it this week. Oh, Joe Burrow and Puka nah, and has the thumbs down. Oh, dang. Okay. Well, already, that's yeah. already one vote for Team Caveman. There we go. So let us know, people. Team Caveman, Team HG, whose team takes home the takes home the win in this week's this week's matchup. Appreciate your vote there, Star. Starting it off right this week. So I'll come home and get a video out too, so we can get some more votes in. But with that, pull up on Spotify as well. Let us know what you think, and make sure to text or call in seven two zero six one nine zero six two seven. We're gonna head to a quick break. First one of the show. When we come back, we're gonna be talking about the NBA All Star Week, their All Star Weekend coming up, and we're gonna see, you know, where the who got snubbed. We'll be talking about the dunk contest, all the challenges, rising stars. We'll be right back. Been home about six months now, and I still have my doubts. Well, I'm not sure how I got here. How I'm gonna get out Well my mama says I look the same As I did before I left But if she could see inside of me It would scare her to death well, I can still taste the powder From the barrel of my gun And I can hear my sergeant screaming Run soldier run I can feel the backpack on my shoulders Got and wait a ton And I see death in every single thought They taught me how to put that uniform on I just can't get it off Last Saturday they honored us In a small parade downtown And when they shot off those fireworks I nearly hit the ground And while 
What's up, everybody? Almost back with Sports in the Cave. HG and I are just putting some shots up. Let me bury this three real quick, though. And gentlemen, I'm already down one nothing in team building exercise. So I remember the vote. <laughs> oh, we're tied. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. On votes this week. This week, yeah. I'm trying to. Hey, I, I don't want to start the year one and two. Statistically, you're less likely to make the playoffs. <laughs> All right. Well, what do we what do we got next on the agenda, Caveman? The All NBA All Star Weekend. I think honestly, there was a lot of snubs, but two of the people that I thought got snubbed are in it now because of injury. Scotty Barnes and let's see, Trey Young. Trey Young are in there. I still think De'Aaron Fox should have made it, but I don't know. Hey, man, some bonus. You know. For th- those are the last two guys that I was mad weren't in it. It's uh, you know, obviously everybody that they get picked is having a really good year, but it's just like you know what kind of makes me mad is like, all right, the Lakers, right? They're like hovering right there in an eight or a nine seed all season. Bron and AD make it. I mean, LeBron is going to make it regardless. He's still one of the most popular players in the league. And it's like, but Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox got their team out of five seed in the west almost up to 30 ones are like 29 and 20 neither one of them makes it i mean sabonis is almost averaging a triple double he's averaging 20 points 13 rebounds eight assists a game and on on 66 percent true shooting you got deer and fox 
He's got a 27, four and five splits on 57% true shooting. I mean, both those guys having really good seasons. Teams performing really well. Uh, here, it's hard to hard to not have them in that. I'm glad Trey Young and Scotty Barnes got in because of the Embiid and Randall injuries, though. With these those two making it in, here's the rest of my my list. So we got De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. Definitely think Derek White got snubbed. The great season for him so far. Wemby, honestly, he made the rising stars because he's a rookie, but with the numbers he's putting up. I think that's like all-star level of play, especially on that team. You also got Harden. I mean, I didn't think that he was going to have that big of an impact, but he's all—he's honestly kind of playing some pretty good basketball. Boy, he, he proved us wrong. Lowry Markkinen over in Utah. Amazing young player out of Arizona. He's a pretty good shooter. Good at spacing the floor. I think, I think Utah could be pretty scary. If they if they keep growing those players, they have a pretty pretty stacked lineup more than people would think. They're kind of dropping down right now in the the rankings of the West because there's just a lot of powerhouses. But I still think you should have made it on there. Alperin Sengun, definitely another name. Jared Allen, Miles Turner missed. Chris Stapps. I mean, even Jamal Murray didn't make it. Yeah, I feel like was. Maybe the biggest snub. It's like we've, I mean, the, the problem with Jamal Murray is he kind of like takes the night off against bad teams. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, he's got the nickname playoff, man. Like he's, like if it, it's not a good team, like he's not going to have a good night. So there's also the joke uh, on Nuggets Twitter that like, like he had a bad game against the Thunder and so everyone, they were like, Thunder, you're on fraud watch. <laughs> <laughs> no. Other than Murray, MPJ, Terry Rozier, Aaron Gordon, probably I think got snubbed a little bit, but you know they they're all having good seasons, and you know All Star break, quick weekend for everybody to just reset. So even if they didn't make it, good time to go out and celebrate their their game a little bit with the the people they're so, close to. I believe you could have put uh, Peyton Watson in the rising star games game. And then I actually like how they're doing it this year. So it's a four team tournament. So three, three NBA rising star teams and one team from the G league. Uh And it's going to not be timed. So it's a tournament. So the first three games are going to be to 40 points, no timer on the clock, just a shot clock for each team. So the, the game ends for whoever reaches 40 or more points. And then the final game is going to be up to 25 points. So that's going to be awesome. I think that draft was pretty cool. Just break it up and get more players involved. Because there's so many young players that are playing out of their mind. Did right Jalen Williams make it? I'm he did. To... Okay, that's... He did. Just wanted to make sure there... There was... Uh, I met, him and Carson. Star rosters. There was three Thunder players that were available to get picked. But how it worked, too... Each team submitted a ballot. So their players and all their organization put in a ballot and voted for a player on their team that they wanted to see in the draft. And the final tally of votes was totaled up by the NBA and then made the list of people that uh, the players could draft. So that's going to be fun. I like the little tournament aspect of it. Also, my biggest problem for for All-Star Weekend, three-point contest. I'll kind of just go over 
why. So first, I'm just going to list the seven participants that are going to be in the all-star contest. We do have also the, the three-point shootout between Steph and Sabrina Ioannikis. That's going to be interesting to see. I'm actually pretty stoked about that. Probably the two best three-point shooters from their respective basketball leagues. Be interesting to see who wins that head head to head. I, if they're going to do this, I also think the NBA should give us Demarcus Cousins versus Brittany Griner. That would be that? that would honestly that would be shake up the league. First to eleven, something like that. I mean, that, that would be, be so sick. That'd be dope. But this but, three point, yeah. I <laughs> I got a few just names here. Grayson Allen shooting almost fifty percent from three right now. Aaron e. Smith, Malik Beasley, and Marcus Sasser—they're all shooting so good right now. Mercury has a huge list of everything. Yes. So, so I I got a little fired up about this one because all right. So I'm going to just show you where my thought process went with everyone because here's here's all of our players in the three-point contest. We've got Malik Beasley. He's shooting 45% from the field. He's made 133 for threes this year. we got Jalen Brunson, 41% from three, 131 makes. Halliburton shooting 39% from there with 123 makes. Dame, he's shooting 34%. That's actually pretty low for him with 139 makes. From three, uh, Laurie Markkinen, forty percent. He's made one hundred and thirty-eight threes. Tyrese Maxey, thirty-eight percent. He's made one hundred and forty threes. And then Donovan Mitchell also shooting thirty-eight percent with one hundred and forty makes. Now I'm going to go to three-point shots made, and the top seven players there and their respective shooting percentages. So, number one, well. We've got Steph. He's made 213 three-pointers this year, and he's shooting 41% from there. Then next up, and by the way, Steph is winning, is has the most made threes by a wide margin because next up at second place, Luca, he's made 167 at 37%. He's way ahead. Holy smoke. Yeah. Holy crap, got, dude. And we got Paul George. He's made 156 at 41%. Then... For fourth and fifth, it's kind of a tie between Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Young. They've both made 154. Hardaway shooting 36%. Young is shooting 38%. And then Bogdog Bogdanovich, he's made 151 at 37%. Then at seven, we've got Dante DiVincenzo. He's made 150 at 41%. Now I know what you can say. Well, those guys are just taking a lot of threes. Maybe you don't want to, you can't just look at volume. Look at shooting percentage. Well, all right, let's go to our top seven three-point shooters in terms of shooting percentage. Number one, as uh caveman mentioned, Grayson Allen, he's at 49% right now. And he's made 114. And I'll know everybody on the top seven three-point percentage shooting. All but Jalen Williams have shot more than 200 three-pointer attempts as well, and they're shooting at this high level. And, and none of these people, none of these people actually made the three-point yeah. contest. One, <laughs> so, one of them didn't. You'll see it in just a just second. one. So then behind Allen, we have Aaron Nee Smith. He's at 46 percent with 101 makes. Kevin Durant's at 46 percent with 100 makes. Kawhi Leonard, 48 percent with 107 makes. Jalen Williams, 45%, 66 makes. Malik Beasley, also at 45 with 133. And Norman Powell at 45% with 103. So 
you look at the guys making the most three-pointers in the league, the guys with the highest shooting percentage from three in the league, only one of them's in the three-point contest. That is that of is the, the seven thing I've ever seen. Of the seven three-point contestants, only one of them is top seven in either shooting percentage or three-pointers made in the year. Yeah, I, I just, just find that to, interesting. I just went to their three-point shooting percentage when I checked like stats and stuff, getting my notes, and I was just really confused why I didn't see anybody on the list that's actually in it. That's so dumb that they did that. It felt yeah. like they just kind of threw in names. I mean, I feel like Damon. Damien, I feel, and now it just feels like we're just trying to give it to the big names, you know, like Brunson, Lillard, Markinen, Halliburton, all up there, Mitchell. I mean, like most of these guys are also playing in the All Star game. And I, the three point contest used to be awesome because you get guys that were just kind of role players, but they executed well, you know, like they did, they were great at shooting the three and they added value to their team that way. They got, they got a chance to come out to the All-Star Weekend and show off their skills. And it feels like the past two seasons, we just haven't really gotten that. We're, we're not putting the this season's best three-point shooters, we're not putting them in the contest to compete and show us what's going on. It's just We're just putting guys that are already in the All-Star game that have maybe been known to shoot the three well in the past or are shooting decent from three this year we're putting them in and it's, it's like i want i want to see the top guys like i want you to be top 10 and either makes or percentage and be in a three-point contest yeah if grace and allen's shooting almost 50 percent, isn't that going to put on a great show at the three-point contest if he if he shoots it well during the contest it's like it's going to get pretty competitive it's going to be it's going to be a show i don't know that i didn't like that when i saw it either did you were you able to find out the names for the dunk contest yet? Because when I was doing my research yesterday, they hadn't released it yet. At least NBA.com hadn't. Uh, the only one I saw was Matt McClung is coming back to defend his title. Okay, I believe. I think that um, I think that's always going to be a fun one, though. I mean, the dunk contest, as long as you can find some guys with bounce, that's good, and they do a good job of like they bring in like the guy like some of the bounciest dudes that can really put on a show so i'm not too worried about the dunk contest i just don't want car alone to be a judge again <laughs> that's my only, no, my next, only issue with that next story today pretty recently the eight or nine game win streak that the new york knicks were on is broken now i think they lost to the celtics but they the, are the lakers scary the lakers excuse me they're a very scary team right now oh they've been Five players above 15 points per game. They're shooting as a team 37% from three and 46 from the field. They do pretty well against size, honestly. They have Mitchell Robinson, Isaiah Hartenstein, Jericho Sims is getting good minutes, Precious Achua. And honestly, Ananobi at like 6'8, six, 6'9 six, as a small forward, it creates a pretty big, pretty tall lineup. And smaller guards in when you got Brunson and quickly out there with them. Yeah, that team is crazy. Value to the Knicks. That was a good trade by them. That trade is did a lot more than we really thought. But with that, with that being said about the Knicks and how they're playing right now, who do you think is going to win out the East as we get to springtime? Who do you think is going to come out 
Oh, number one in the Eastern Conference. All right. Well, that, that is a tough one. I do think it's going to be the Celtics still. Reason being is they just they have a six game lead on the next closest team. I did take the top five teams in that conference because uh, I want the people to be able to call and tell us what they think. So I'm going to give you the Celtics and my reasons why in just a second. But in the East, just so everybody can kind of have some perspective on the top five teams. The Celtics, they are 38 and 12. They're 23 and 3 at home. I also took the home record so you can kind of see how important home court advantage could be to each team, right? Celtics, 38 and 12. They're 23 and 3 at home. They've got an offensive rating of 121.3, defensive rating of 111.6. That's another 9.7. Pretty good. They're shooting 47% from the field, 38% from three. Pretty solid team. Cavaliers right now, they're 32 and 16. They're actually up, up here at the two spot, 18 and 8 at home, uh, 116 offensive rating, 111 defensive rating. It's good for 5.2 net, 48% from the field, 36% from three. And then the Bucks, who have kind of gone on the slide. I mean, they're one and four in the Doc Rivers era. Uh, they're, but they're 38 and eight, or 33 and 18, 21 and five at home with a 120. And a half rating on offense, 117 on defense. So it's good for 3.4 net, 49% from the field, 37% from three. And we got the Knicks there behind them at four. They've been picking up steam, 33 and 18. They're 19 and six at home. Got a 111 rating, 113 on defense, 46% from the field, 37% from three. And then the Sixers. Currently at five, they're 30 and 19, 17 and eight at home. Uh, 119.8 offensive rating, 114 defensive, 47% from the field, 36 from three. Their big thing, Embiid's going to be missing some significant time. So, with all that, what do you got? Who do you think is going to win the East? Me personally, I think you got to give it to the Celtics. I mean, they have been next to unstoppable at home. That's just such a deep team. I mean, because you are, you got the guy like Brown and Tatum who are all stars and are just, you know, play, have been playing together for so long are such good players. But then you got like the defensive presence of Drew Holiday, Derek White coming off the bench for them defensively, Kristaps Porzingis, and Al Horford. Like, two, you got two big men that can score at all three levels. Horford's a force defensively, and Porzingis is pretty good on the on the defensive end of the court as well. It's just such a deep team that I, and they have a, a, a big lead on everybody that I don't think anybody's going to be able to catch him. I agree with that. I was thinking either Celtics, if they keep their win streak, if they get that win streak back up and at home, the garden, one of the hardest places to win in. And I think with the momentum of having a number one seed, they'll probably do much better in the playoffs than they have in the past i think either i think the celtics are the close very far ahead number one and the two teams that are right there in the rearview mirror are philly and new york and the east what are your thoughts on uh so the, the nuggets west are right out now? of it now uh, they're That's, in the west they're in the west oh my bad yeah we're talking about the east right now though oh i don't know about philly man uh, with Embiid missing time I don't think they're going to be able to win enough games to they'll still definitely make the playoffs, but they're, they're 
about eight games back right now. You're going to be missing your best player. It's just going to be tough for them to to rally. Yeah. And I mean, the Cavs have really gotten it going. They're they've won four in a row now, five in a row. The Bucks Bucks are kind of dropping, and not the, the Knicks are picking up steam. So I think you're looking at probably one's going to be the Celtics, and then two and three, and this is subject to change. But Cavaliers, Knicks. Okay. It's about nine thirty-five. So let's quickly we'll go through because I do want to talk about our mock drafts here for a little bit before we go into our final two segments. So who do you got for the Western Conference, though? Okay. Well, I won't. Just to save some time, I won't. I won't go over all the the ratings, but top five teams we got right now, and it is a four way tie for first between the Clippers, Thunderwolves, Timberwolves, Thunder, and the Nuggets. Three of those teams, the the T Wolves, Thunder, Nuggets are thirty five and sixteen. The Clippers are thirty four and fifteen, so by default they're in first place right now. Uh. All those teams have a pretty good home record. No, None of them have lost more than six games at home. They're all shooting 37% or better from three and 49% or better from the field. This, this one right now feels like a toss-up to me. I don't think the Thunder are going to win it uh, because they got. it's a very good young team, but I think down the stretch it's like, you know, do they have a, like a true number two next to the Shea? Yet they've got guys that have that potential. Chet, Jalen Williams, Giddy, maybe it's just. But do they? Is that guy there right now? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they're gonna. They will have a true like number two option to back up Shea there. You know, to when it comes down to it, or him like you know like a lot of these other teams have. Yeah, the Nuggets, obviously, they have Murray and Jokic. The T-Wolves, they've got Ant and Cat. And then the Clippers got their big three with Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi. So to me, and it, it's almost impossible for me to make, pick somebody. So I'm gonna, I am gonna—I got to give it three ways. It's either going to be the Clippers, T-Wolves, or Nuggets. Yeah. who's got? Who has the best chance? <clears throat> I feel like T-Wolves... Because they just—it it seems like everything's starting to click for them. You've got a rising star in Anthony Edwards, but it's hard to want to bet against the defending champs, especially, you know, they've been staying really healthy again. Uh, knock on wood for them, and the, I, it's just—it's a tough place to go and play up there in Denver. You got the altitude. The city's been getting really into basketball these past few years, and they're a super unselfish team, like because that, that's how their superstar plays with Jokic. And then the Thunder, or I mean the Clippers, Kawhi, Paul George, Harden; those guys have been playing at a high level for years, and they're they're all really starting to kind of return to form. Before you know, they had the, these these few years of injuries and everything, where that, that was holding them down. It's they're they're looking really good, and just just also let's just watch out for Phoenix to make a run. 
I'll say that. I don't know if they'll be able to storm all the way back and take take first, but look for them to climb. I mean, because Bradley Beal's getting healthy again. You already got KD and Booker. We saw Bradley's first game back healthy. Granted, it's a homecoming against the the Wizards, but he went off 43 points. Oh, yeah. I was watching them last night play Milwaukee, though, and he was, I mean, he hit some couple of clutch shots late in the fourth, really. Every time the Bucks started to kind of claw their way back, he would just hit like a big dagger to, to put them out of it. And they've had 10, 10 games where a player's scored 40 or more points. Booker's had five, KD had four, and then Beal the other night in D.C., had one so watch out for them they're getting healthy kevin durant he's still got it he's still playing at a high level booker uh, also i mean one of the the best three level scorers in the whole nba he can create a shot just about anywhere and now you got bradley beal getting healthy keep an eye on the suns as well oh yeah and what's our what's our time like h train i think denver takes it as well yeah about 20 minutes Okay, then with that, we are going to head over and do our branching out segment this week. We've got some multi-sport athletes to talk about. Branching out this week. We were inspired by it was um Mookie Betts. This is actually all that inspired our, our bowling trick shots last week, but he bowled a perfect game at a PBA tournament. And we do have that clip. The we have the last four shots here. And just watch how firm and straight Mookie's throwing these shots. Light mixer goes ball in his hand right now according to Rob Gatchel it's a symmetrical course so it's really easy for him to control he's a very control and feel player out in the lanes and these tougher patterns you might sacrifice some carry once in a while for some control but not right now for four different animal patterns I mean just to be able to come in here and be, you don't want to say short notice but he doesn't have a lot of time to practice before these World Series the natural talent coming through 11 in a row Boston Red Sox outfielder Mookie Betts on the precipice of perfection. 300 game for Mookie Betts. As we have a uh do that. That's pretty crazy. I mean just because the bowl of 300, I mean, you you have to bowl a lot because that's a game of you really need to know your angles and you need to have that touch to put the right, right spin on the ball. And to be able to do that, it's the most most shots you can take is, what, 14, right, to get the 300? Yeah. yeah hit, hit 10 strikes on all 10 frames plus the you got to get three at the end. Yeah, the turkey at the end for it. So being able to have that touch. 14 shots in a row. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's impressive. So that that got us thinking about some other, you know, great multi-sport athletes or players that have had some big performances in uh, 
sports that they don't usually play or guys that have played multiple sports, you know. <laughs> can we go? Can we get? Can we talk about Draymond first? First one that came to mind for us because <laughs> we're a couple of chuckle ads was Draymond Green in the, the MSU spring game. Go ahead, roll that. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little excited. He's a little excited out there. I don't like his stance really, but oh. He's locked oh, up. Jammed. He's jammed. He's oh. jammed. Oh. Almost. Oh, we got interference. Hey, interference. Oh. There you go. <laughs> uh, is it just me or like does it look like he has like way more padding on than anybody else too? Like, yeah, he looks so much bigger than everyone else. Like he has like the full the full body suit thing on, like a quarterback. The giant shoulder pads. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a. It's he just he just looks so out of place in there. Now that was um, you know, one of your your worst performances when you're playing a different sport than your own, but. Some of the one of the better ones we had was DK Metcalf in last year's Celebrity All Star Game, albeit that wasn't against a ton of professional athletes. He did win the Celeb Game MVP. He had twenty points, ten rebounds, a double double, and he picked up four blocks. So I mean, was, uh, still pretty impressive. You yeah. know, he's just goes to show, like, with the athleticism some of these football players have, that they could really excel. Yeah, that's so why a lot of them story. play multiple sports. They're just freaking athletes like, like that. And you know, one of the big ones that comes to mind, Mr. Kyler Murray, never actually ended up going to the MLB, but he's also he was one of the, or actually the only player to be drafted in the first round of the NFL and MLB draft. We got a clip of him absolutely cranking. Lowing in, end up blowing away. So you college. never really know where that ball's going. I know where that ball's going. Big fly by Kyler Murray, and that ball is gone. His 10th jack of the year. Look out, Naismith Drive. He can throw touchdowns on the gridiron and hit long balls on the diamond, and that one was an absolute no-doubter. Wow. One of the quickest balls I've seen get out of here. That was light. First round draft pick in both sports. I mean, I think the Cardinals took him number one overall, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, that so, is just pretty. It's pretty crazy to see that as well. Just I, the amount of skill that it takes. He cool sports hasn't had like the the most successful NFL career just yet, but we see a lot. There's a lot of upside in his game. Kind of to deal with some injuries and all that too, but. He might be the hardest quarterback to sack with just how elusive he is. You remember, it was I believe week one, of, week one or two of last season, and like the it was like the longest two point conversion ever, where he like ran back like thirty <laughs> oh, yeah. yards. He's getting chased, <laughs> still looking, still looking, still keeping the play alive. Like runs clear from like the right sideline, loops all the way back around to the left sideline, then like kind of leaks back up to the middle before finally just running towards the, the left end zone's pylon, the left of the end zone of that pylon, and, and getting the two points. It's pretty crazy. It was an untimed play. 
But I think that play like lasted like thirty three seconds. Was the official? Who else we got? Timer on the stopwatch. All right. Well, next up, I put Michael Jordan on there. He, we all remember he had that season in the minors. Actually, did pretty good for for himself. You know, eighty eight hits, three homers. He had a batting average of two oh two, and you know when he wasn't able to get back to the to the majors, he decided to return to basketball, went on to win three more championships. Uh, just, we all know his, his basketball achievements, but you know, what, what could have been if MJ decided to stay on the basketball route, definitely showed some upside there. Uh, the next guy I got here though, another Heisman winner never played in the NFL, believe it or not. It's Charlie Ward. He was a dual sport athlete at FSU played football. He was a quarterback for FSU in the 90s. And he also played college b-ball. Won the Heisman Trophy in 1993. On his career in college, he had 5,747 passing yards and 49 passing TDs. And on top of that, he also had 889 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. He only averaged about 10 and a half per game in college basketball. And we've got he, a clip of him as well. Yeah, he before we roll that real quick, H train, he dropped to the fourth round in the NFL draft. And he was adamant that if he wasn't the first round pick, he was not going to play in the NFL. So the New York Knicks, they drafted him 26th overall in the 94 draft. So he ended up playing 10 years in the NBA. Over his career, he wasn't anything crazy. He averaged about six six points, three boards, and four assists a game. His best season in two thousand three and four, he was he averaged nine <laughs> points. Ward took another big shot, but he got the ball to Tamarik Vanover, and we'll see you tomorrow. Touchdown, Seminoles, eighty-six yards. Blitz coming on it, picked up, and Charlie Ward takes off. Ward inside the 10, touchdown! That's a clear out for Charlie Ward. Working on best to win the game. Charlie puts it in! Charlie Ward with two seconds to go. Like, it's kind of shocking that he didn't get a, a chance to play in the NFL. Yeah, seriously, a Heisman quarterback, and he didn't even dra- get drafted in the first round of the NFL. That is really crazy to think about. Crazy to think about for all of them, like how their careers would have changed and turned out differently if they decided to go with the other sport. Uh, going on to our next guy here. Wait, I mean, we had to put Bo Jackson on this list. He was obviously dominant in college uh, football. 4,500 total yards. He had 45 total touchdowns. He was a standout track and field athlete. Uh, 338 batting average. Then in the pros, you know, over 3,000 total yards in just a short four-year NFL career uh, on top of 18 total touchdowns there. Interesting. 
he was actually the number one overall draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he refused to play for them because they messed up his eligibility in basketball by, or baseball rather by making a non NCA approved visit to his campus. And because of that, they lied to him telling him that, that it was approved. That it wasn't uh, and long story short, you know, messed up his last year of eligibility in baseball. So he said, that if they were the team that drafted him, he would refuse to play for them. You know, they didn't listen to him, drafted them number one overall anyways, and he said, no, I'm not going to come play for you, and just sat out waiting for a chance to get a chance in major leagues. And he did, had a really impressive career, hit 141 home runs. He had 608 hits total over his career, about 250 batting average. Uh, he was in... AL All-Star in 89, uh, All-Star MVP in 93 as well. Uh, comeback Player of the Year. He had one 30-run season for 21 seasons and two seasons where he had 20-plus bases stolen. So a good, good career overall in both the pro football and pro baseball. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've got about nine or so minutes left. He's going to swing us over to our final segment of the morning ringside chats all right man i got a lot to talk about there was a lot of good that happened over the weekend and a lot of bad so we'll start with the bad. What is WWE thinking by having The Rock show up at WrestleMania or on SmackDown on Friday to pretty much tease that they're having The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? Yeah, that is the most the most fitting sound that we could have had there for that. I don't get it. What was the point of having Cody Rhodes win the Royal Rumble if he... Freaking idiot! What's the point? If he's not going to main event WrestleMania, why did he even win the Royal Rumble? Why did they have a clip? Was their least, was their most disliked clip on their YouTube channel? Was The Rock's return or like third or fourth return this year? But keep I don't in, know. Keep in mind, this stuff happened after the sexual assault case on Mr. McMahon. Yeah, and I honestly, yeah, they'd probably taken heat. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they'd probably rather take heat on this and be wrong rather than people focusing on the case. Oh, so, so it's like a PR stunt. I think it is. Probably. And I think that you're going to end up watching. Everybody's been saying it, you know. You know, yeah. we want Cody, justice for Cody. Um, everybody's saying that they think they're going to turn it into The Rock being guest referee and then Cody being. The, that would be god awful if they do that. The, I won't even watch it. Uh, here's here's my prediction. I think that ten years ago we had the Yes movement with Daniel Bryan. Everybody wanted him to get the belts. It was the first unified like he was the first double champ i think it's going to be another surprise triple threat that they had it was uh john cena daniel bryan and randy orton and daniel bryan won it 
this, I think it's going to be The Rock, Roman, and Cody in a triple threat. And I think Cody wins it. And I think, I don't know what they're going to even do. Like at this point, I don't know why The Rock is there. It's just, it's just really stupid. Taken away from other, other superstars moments by just throwing in a guy that uh, is like 60 years old. <laughs> it's so stupid. But back to the good NXT Judgment Day was literally the best pay-per-view that I've seen all year. I, I was going to say it was the Royal Rumble, but they kind of just screwed it on Friday on SmackDown, so I don't even I don't even count the Royal Rumble anymore. It depends on what they do with it because they just had the Royal Rumble winner just completely get screwed. <laughs> well, I, I tell you I tell you what, what's going to end up happening is because McMahon was connected to WWE and TKO eventually Eventually, um, I think that the ratings. I, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna make it go out of business because they're they're going to sue, you know, with all said and done. So, yeah, kind of bad timing too because they just merged in with the UFC to start TKO. But it was it was a pretty spectacular tag team uh, tourney final. Uh, Trick Williams had two matches that night. He had the tag team match and the NXT championship match. So that started off with a bang. Lyra Valkyria defended her title. It was a pretty solid match there. I feel like they kind of did a they did a weird weird job with the story there. I feel like Lola Vice should have pulled up with her uh, breakout tournament contract to cash in a little bit later. But I think now we're going to have a really good, really good feud with Roxanne Perez and Lola Vice on NXT. Oba Femi defended the North American Championship against Dragon Lee. So leads me to my opinion that I'm going to stand on this. Dragon Lee is the best like luchador style wrestler right now. He has strength. He's got the speed. He's a high flyer. He does all he does all kinds of moves. He's not just like a luchador style wrestler, like high flyer. He he power bombed an almost four hundred pound dude in a title match. It was like that was a really sick false finish. And next week we next time I do a ringside chats, I'll bring in some clips to show some of my favorite moments that I've seen there in the past week. And the final match, the main event was absolutely fire. I tried to get the clips of the highlights in there. But it was the wrong video file format, so I couldn't get it in there. But that match was so good. I feel like Trick Williams should have won, just because he's been on top of the game. Like he's the best guy at NXT right now, and he doesn't even have a title. And he's most of the time he's not really even in the conversation for the title. I feel like he's just like Carmelo Hayes' sidekick. Which I don't know. I feel like he should have won, but they're playing out the storyline great. I think that the feud with him and Carmelo Hayes should transfer over to the main roster. Because I think at this point in their careers, they're ready to make that jump. I think that feud would actually be really over with the fans. I think they would like that one a lot. And I think both of them had their SmackDown debut on Friday as well. So not, uh, not this weekend, but two weekends before on Friday, they debuted on SmackDown. So I think the jump... For these guys to move up to the main roster should happen pretty soon. I think the the other young talent that they're just bringing up into NXT right now has a chance to take the reins and 
lead NXT how it has been so far. I think the talent, the talent wise, and the way that they actually write things, NXT does it much better than the actual main roster does. And I think that's just mainly because of the performers on NXT fighting for their chance to be on the main roster and be like the face of the company. I think, I think that's why they take the cake with me. So Trick Williams, I hope he comes to comes to NXT or comes out of NXT and makes a good reign. Maybe United States champion. We'll see though. We've got this is our last sixty seconds of the show, everybody. With HG and I. We want to thank everyone for watching today. We want to thank all our viewers. We appreciate you. All our voters as well. We got one on Team Caveman so far. HG, what are your final thoughts for today? Take us out of here with a bang. Well, one other thing I wanted to just cover before we left today was, was kind of crazy. Hawkins, women's basketball for USC. Oh, yeah. Dropped 51 points in their, her team's win over number four ranked Stanford. It was 67 to 50. So she scored 51 of her team, 67. And Mackenzie Forbes had 12, while two other players had two. What a performance by Juju Watkins. Yeah, what a game. So pretty insane. Uh, her, her split, she shot 14 of 26, 6 of 11 from three, knocked down 17 of her 19 free throws. Dang. That's uh, one of the biggest put the team on your back performances we've seen in a long time. All right. Once again, thank you to everybody that watched the show today. Uh, podcast will be up on Spotify just moments after the show is over. We'll have a poll up for who you want to vote for. Team Caveman, Team HG, and Team Building Exercise. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Have a good one. See you next time. That's the show for today, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with an all-new show. And remember, you can listen to us again and again. The podcast of this radio show is available right after we go off the air tonight, anywhere that you can get your podcast episodes. And thanks for joining us today. I'd like to take a moment to talk about